The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Beijing Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst whose work you can find at mmajunkie.com as well as five days a week on mma junkie radio but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's before the fight Uh, i'm cutting it a little close it's the holiday season and uh yeah, it's Thanksgiving when this is being recorded. I was planning to record it the night before. It didn't happen. I said, I'll record it in the morning. Just got a couple of touch-up, uh, you know, on the, on the prelims that I'm going to do, and uh, I'll get it recorded then, and sure enough, I'll save you the story. It didn't happen. But And, uh, you know, as opposed to putting my family aside like I normally do and cutting it close, I said, instead of cutting it close, I probably could have got it done. But I'm like, you know, I'm, God forbid, going to go see some family on Thanksgiving. And I did. It was nice. Saw that my nephews are outgrowing me, which is crazy. One of them is back from college. It seems like just yesterday I was driving him around when he was a baby. Uh, Crazy, crazy times, man. Time flies. Um, Something I've I've really learned this year, and I'm still trying to manage. So apologies on that, whether you're listening to this podcast or somebody who um, deals with me in RL. Uh, Apologies to you. Uh, to, 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 to those of you who uh, I don't get back in a, as timely of a fashion. But don't worry, I'm going to be saving the excuses. We're not going to have crazy long intros. Uh, this will be an expedited version. Won't be, topping, uh, won't be touching on topics. Won't really even be recapping uh, last event. Um, you know, unless it comes up apropos to the discussion at hand, we are going to be focusing on UFC Beijing. Uh, this is being, again, recorded late. Afternoon, early evening, Pacific time, Vegas uh, on Thanksgiving. So when you get it, I mean, when this is out, it'll be uh, you know over 24 hours of time before the event. But still, cutting it close, I understand. But hey, if you're watching this fucking event, you're a hardcore. If you're listening to this podcast, you are a sick hardcore. So who the hell am I trying to cater to, right? Anyways, thank you all for being here. By the way, hopefully you guys are having an awesome Thanksgiving. I am very thankful for you guys. I posted this in the uh, the uh, Junkie Nation Facebook chat um, that you know I kind of alluded to earlier on this podcast that I don't uh, not the best at time, man. And uh, you know this, this UFC stretch last year really uh, let's just say did a number. I'm trying I'm trying to word phrasing here did a number on me last year, and I'm I'm, I'm arguably still trying to to. <laughs> To recover, because I said I vowed, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to let it let, let it get to that point. And next thing you know, you're in the throes of the holiday season. So I apologize if I'm, I'm slacking on the podcast then and still trying to get a hang of this, folks. I don't even know who's listening, to be honest. I joke, like I have seven or eight listeners, but I, it's not really a joke. It's probably the truth. But I can't confirm nor deny, because my ass still has not gotten um, analytics. Where was I going with this? Sorry about that. 
I'm actually drinking coffee. I only had two adult beverages earlier, so it's not even a tipsy Dan you're getting. It's just a, just a a food-filled, disoriented Dan, so I apologize. Um, anyways, uh, hopefully you guys are having a good Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for you guys. That's what I was saying. I don't, I don't, I don't stop and smell the roses enough, essentially, was my long-winded point there. And um, I'm fucking really grateful, and I'm grateful for you guys. So, so, so thank you. For, for taking this road. I'm not going to punish you any longer. Um, speaking of Thanksgiving, Black Friday is maybe probably when most of you are listening to this. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I'm not a big, big holiday guy. I'm not a big Thanksgiving guy. I'm not going to get into it or, or uh, bum you guys out or anything like that or damper the mood. And chalk it up to the punk rock, contrarian, whatever you want to say. So, so, so. Needless to say, uh, I don't get big on the Black Friday. I just... I hate, I literally hate the general popula- uh, population or general public this time of year. They're just fucking running over each other, you know, for parking spots and, and items on shelves. It's not humanity, much less Western civilization or America at its finest, uh, if you will. So, yeah, uh, be safe if you're doing that or if you're, you're going to be smart and take advantage of Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals from home. Because let's be honest, like starting earlier this week, they've already been doing deals. It's like from here till Christmas pretty much. But, you know, they do special ones on the Black Fridays and the Cyber Mondays. And a lot of you guys shop through Amazon. So I don't ask for much. I know I struggle to even get these things 36 hours, which is usually my usual minimum. And this one, I'm barely pushing 24 hours. So probably not the best time to ask, but I do uh, slave my ass off to, to get you guys content, whether it be in, in the written video or podcast form. Um, and the reason why I, I, I uh, it takes me a while because I try to come correct and offer you guys uh, some solid takes and analysis, and you can go where you want with it. That's just I'm just trying to be a reference point. Don't ask for much. Always free content, but on mixedmartialanalyst.com, where you can find. All these episodes archived, um, as well as past breakdowns and so forth. Yeah, sweet BJ Penn article if you know where to look. Um, yeah, yeah, if you go there, any of the page, really, any of the landing pages, especially the homepage, you will see on the right. Sometimes it takes a toggle depending on what device you're on, if you're on a, mo- a mobile device. Um, where Bane came from there. But, you know, just toggle to the right there. You will see the uh, Amazon click through, as well as an Onnit click through. Uh, so if you like any Onyx products, you can click through that, uh, shop it on it. You don't get charged extra percentage gets kicked back to me, but more importantly, Amazon kind of an all encompassing Amazon. Uh, you click on that, um, uh, you click through that and, and, and it doesn't cost you anything. You're not on a, on, on a watch list. Uh, although I do get an itemized list of what you buy. I don't get any of your information. Uh, I just read off the items, which I promise I will be doing today because it's an expedited version and we will have time. Again, check the show notes if you want to get specific as to when I start the breakdown, end the breakdown, and recap the picks, which I will remember to do, Desru. That's right. Uh, listener to the podcast there, Desiru. Uh, but yes, so 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 thank you in advance for that. I will retouch on that at the end. We're going to push forward. Only one shout out. And that's a Lord Honky Humongous on Twitter, man. He's, he's one of the many who post uh, clips. Um, and he's just a dude who you can tell he's in the minutia of the MMA. He's a hardcore. He's a passionate dude. And I respect that. Uh, so respect him. Give him a follow at Mr. Underscore Honky. On Twitter, uh, you'll see him because he's got the sweet. By the way, love me some Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> he has the villain in the OG Mad Max with the uh, Jason. It looks like a Jason mask for the uh, the Hyman. 
But uh, but yeah, great reference, great movie. Uh, thank you, Lord Honky. All right, so we're in Beijing, China for this motherfucker. Eight minutes. Wow, under ten minutes, and I'm already making my way into the breakdown. Though, we'll admit, some fun stories attached. Not, I'm not going to get too deep. But as you know, Dan Tom always loves China. You listened to the last podcast last year, and they were in November. And, and what the fuck were they, in Shanghai? Yeah, probably. There's some water here. And Dan Tom went uh, in 2000, pre-9-11, uh, flew into Shanghai, went up to northern China to visit the Shaolin Temple. Uh, the martial arts company at the time was the first, uh, I don't know if only now because it's been years ago, uh, to American martial arts company to establish connection with the Shaolin Temple because, as you know, the communist government did not take too kindly to... Uh, to uh, the Shaolin Temple back in the day. We visited the original temple. There are three. Um, and the original one well, was not even really the original one because a lot of it, like 70% of it, was destroyed by the Chinese government in the 1930s when the, uh, the old government was picking up there. That's right. Uh, China went hardcore, man. You know, they, they were behind the Great Wall. They were, you know, wearing silk, drinking tea and talking politics while Europe was throwing shit at each other and living in cage. But the world passed them by, and uh, they 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 uh, reformed with uh, with vigor, and part of that, uh, and, you know, involved a uh, certain type of government and approach. And there's far better people to talk about than me, but I'm just kind of giving you the cliff notes here. And and yeah, man, and yeah, uh, it's not like here where you know you can ordain yourself a religion for fucking tax breaks, and we've got all this religious freedom. Uh, unfortunately for them, they didn't, wasn't exactly the same environment, let's just say. Um, it's a little more civilized now, but they are still taxed to hell. They're not provided those same loopholes. So the monks, which are, you know, obviously sworn to poverty, um, you know, like old school, like they were vegetarian, but they weren't because they didn't want to let food go to waste. And traditionally they would go down to the surrounding villages to beg uh, for their food and for leftovers and scraps. Um, so th they would kind of eat that way. Although they kept a strict pretty ve uh, vegan diet while we were there. Uh, so so when we visited the Shaolin Temple, uh, we all kept vegan diets. Came back in 2002, post 9-11. Um, although you really couldn't tell. I mean, it was pretty militarized as fuck. Oh, by the way, I shared a story. Uh, when I come back post 9-11, you know, you, uh, maybe it was the same rules pre 9-11. The only place you can fly into was Shanghai and, you know, it's communist country, man. It's crazy. You know, we couldn't have American flags on our t-shirt. There was no bringing time magazine there. They briefed us all to hell, but of course me and my homeboy, Christian Silva, no one said anything about skateboards. And, uh, we thought we were sly cause we were bending the rules. We had a stiff talking to, of course. And it didn't stop us from, you know, trying to reenact the old Tony Hawk skate video. By the way, shouts to those of you liking my skate tweets. I know uh, it's a very small minority, you know, early to mid-90s or late-90s even uh, skateboarding references that Dan Tom looks That was my childhood, man. I love it. And, uh, and yeah, I didn't exactly get to skate the Great Wall, obviously, but we're in Shanghai. And uh, aside from the surfaces and streets that weren't skateboard-friendly, and the overpopulation, we, we drew a lot of kind of negative attention. And anyways, um, shared the story on MMA Junkie Radio this week about getting chased with a, a butcher knife by a man cutting chicken heads outside the street. We made eye contact with him the wrong way, me and old Christian Silva and the, the, China, China, the Chinaman, uh, 
the preferred nomenclature. It's not the preferred nomenclature, dude. Uh, he, uh, like a Kodiak bear, just locked in and, and followed us for a couple blocks. That was fun. He didn't get too close, like in swiping range. We just, he just paced and followed and, and, and closed in on his paces. And we got, we just bolted after a couple uh, left turns. And we're like, yep, he's following us. Let's bolt. So, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't too crazy. I'm not going to try to spite, overly dramatic it up. But yeah, yeah we were chased with the dude with the knife. He looked like the Korean zombie. Yes. I know I was in China. The Korean zombie is Korean. I'm not trying to be racist. I'm half Chinese. For anybody not aware and listening to this podcast, but yeah, it's, it's fun times. Beijing was fun. I'm going to get to the breakdown. Don't worry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just a little waxing poetic. Uh, Beijing was fun because uh, it was the third leg of the trip. Uh, I went there the second time to test for my black belt, although there were no belts awarded. We, God forbid we were fucking geese. I mean, what the, after what the Japanese did to China, um, which uh, there's some Chinese-Japanese matchup in this fight car coming up, but... Yeah, for those of you who don't know, man, I mean, it's, uh, it, the Holocaust, obviously atrocious, you don't need me to tell you that, super sad things out there that, that inform us of the atrocities that happened, but what Japan did to China was, uh, you know, we're splitting hairs if we're talking about methods, you know, like death marches and strapping up men, women, children, even pregnant women up to poles and running their bayonet practices, testing their nuclear weapons, yes, they had nuclear weapons, unfortunately, they weren't or fortunately, I should say, they weren't that good. Unfortunately, they again, they just tested it on the Chinese population. Just really, like, gross atrocities, man. This is some real, real pent-up hatred. So, like, anything Japanese we couldn't, related, we couldn't uh, wear because we were Chinese Kempo, and, and since it was an American company, we had to go by belt systems. But anyways, I don't know why I'm getting into this long, long explanation of that. But, yeah, we couldn't wear anything. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save you the, uh, I'll save you the details of the test, but it was fun times. Uh, and, uh, you know, got to go see some Wushu Academies. And the last leg of the trip is Beijing where this fight car takes place. See, I'm making my way there, folks. Bear with me. It's, it's, a, Thanksgiving is a, it's a day where everybody's kind of waxing nostalgic, especially old, old Dan Thompson. Give me a break here. Uh, with Beijing. And what we were told about Beijing is it's like, oh, Beijing, it's like we're back to Western civilization. They've got McDonald's. They've got KFC. But it wasn't the same. Like the McDonald's, it didn't taste like chicken nuggets, man. I mean, these... I don't know what it was, you know, and the KFC, the funny thing about the KFC is, I don't know if I'm being, you know, you know, old Dan Tom being racist again, but we're making his racially charged jokes, but the, the Colonel looked like, you picture the KFC Colonel, folks listening, and he looked almost more Asian, like, like he had the Fu Manchu mustache, it was like, it wasn't a Southern mustache, he almost went Fu Manchu, and I could, I swear to God, the Colonel's eyes were a bit slanty, and, and it said KFC in the typical KFC font. But what I noticed is on the small menus to the big signs is nowhere did it say Kentucky Fried Chicken. And when I ordered the wing combo, it just didn't look like chicken wings. It didn't. T- it just tasted like fake. Not like Gardein, vegan, vegetarian meat fake, but like, I don't know what animal this is. And then me and my buddies noticed, I'm like, hey, you see a lot of cats or dogs running around this joint? Like, nah, man. <laughs> None of the provinces I've ever seen shit. I've seen cows walking in the middle of the street. I've seen horses. I haven't seen one fucking cat or dog. So anyways, we just came to the conclusion that KFC in China stands for Canton Fried Cat. So that's what I'm rolling with. Uh, hopefully the fighters that went there brought their own food. That's something to consider, man. I mean, like, it's funny. When I was going through a lot of these Chinese fighters' Instagrams, like, 
a lot of the photos that are outside of training, if you notice, guys, are just food. And they're treating it like treasure. Like, you got to understand, they're in an overpopulated country where you're eating insects, fucking scraps, fucking, like, mystery meat. Like, literally, mystery meat, guys. Uh, 2000 and 2002, we went to this in Beijing, in fact. Before Mongolian barbecues were big, and in case you don't know what Mongolian barbecues are or are unsure of this reference, it's those places where they have, like, they've Americanized them now to where we have them in America where you'll go, they'll have, like, rice, noodles, vegetables, raw meat, spices, and sauce, and then you just hand it to a guy at the end who's at, like, a stir-fry walk, and he just, like, you know, cooks it all for you, and they give it back to you. Well, they had the same thing in China, which sounds great, except it was crazy. Like, they would have chicken, and it'd be, we would know it was chicken because we couldn't, I couldn't read the Chinese, but there'd be, like, a, a picture of a chicken. Like, just, like, the outline shadow of it. You know, nothing, like, animated, right? It wasn't, like, Rooster Cogburn or any, any shit like that. And they had a goat. You like goat? My friend, you like goat? Uh, and the goat was good. I actually had the goat. And I shit you not, though, at the end, they had one that was just a goddamn question mark, and it was just a scrap pile of meat. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're getting over there in China. I mean, we went to a TGI Fridays. I didn't know what the hell was going on there. We went to out, they had Outback Steakhouse in Beijing. We got the owner to, uh, I remember my karate instructor, he, he uh, shout out Mr. Kate. He, uh, oh man, sorry, I just remember this as a kid. He, he paid uh, the bartender to stay open late for us, cook us some steaks, and we all had drinks. And it was great. I mean, like, I was drinking like a motherfucker underage out there. I mean, even the first trip when I was like 15 or 16 uh, in 2000, uh, I remember, man, one of my first times, uh, not my first, you know, one of the first times, uh, just drinking there, and I'll always remember this. Drinking in the Yangtze River was was a Bex. I don't know why I was drinking a Bex. I didn't, it wasn't picky. It was, just, it was what was available. They never carded me. But, you know, sitting out there with uh, Sarah, James Wilbum, shouts to Christian Silva, at night on the Yangtze River in the skyline, just drinking beer, going, God damn, I'm going to remember this time, 80-year-old man. I will never fucking forget this. And I hope, I hope I can go back uh, to Shanghai, uh, where the new UFCPI is. But... This card is in Beijing. I'm moving toward there. Don't worry, folks. I'll save stories for another time unless it comes up here. We're going to push to the breakdown. We're 18 minutes in, Dan. You just fucking ranted about Beijing, and we are nowhere near. Let's start from bottom to top. Uh, I'm going to go quick. Guys, uh, even though I was just kind of boasting, like I come prepared with the take. I actually uh, admittedly didn't go as thorough as, and usually I do a whole comb through the fighters, and I didn't get to do that, did most of the social media, most of the interviews that were available, obviously not a lot of interviews being done with the Chinese fighters, um, with the language, you know, barrier, which, I mean, I don't blame them, even, you know, I'm Chinese, and I don't, I'm only on a few sentences now, and, uh, it's tough. All right, well, we're going to start from the fight pass. Uh, Luis Smoke is back. This fight's at 135. It's moving up, but thankfully, I think uh, that's a healthier weight for him. I mean, the guy's fucking my height, for Christ's sakes. Thankfully for him, he's facing, facing a guy who usually also makes his trade at 125. That's Summa Diergi, and I, I guess that's just a one-name thing. Or, you know, if you go to a certain site, Summa Diergi, Summa Diergi, but I think it's just a one-name deal. Or one of those things where uh, they did the Brazilian thing and took the name literally and just forgot to tack on his actual name. I don't know. I, I don't don't care. Uh, there wasn't a lot of footage on him for me to care too much. Essentially looks like a, a good kickboxer, really explosive, can throw knees and stuff, but uh, I'm willing to bet, like many of these fighters, and we will talk about the Wushu Sanda base. Um, 
Smolka, by the way, minus 200. And Sumo the ARG, plus 170. Um, but yeah, you know... The problem is, unless he, he gets explosive and knocks out Smoker, who, you know, his head's tall, defense isn't his thing. You can throw and he's there. Uh, he's tall, but he's not going to be that much taller uh, than, than this guy. Um, but unless he knocks him out with one of those things, he's going to be out of position. You know, Smoker, not like a, re- a D1 wrestler, but he knows how to take guys down in the fence, in the open. More importantly, wild moves that put you out of position up the propensity for uh, the possibilities, I should say, for scrambles. And I think. That's where Smoke is going to come to life here. I think he's going to get the submission. Um, if you're a madman and you're doing a paddle to keep it interesting. Sean Connery, what are you doing in Beijing? I like the Asian women. I think you're dead. I will be soon. It's really sad. He's probably, you know, if I'm doing a Deadpool, I got Sean Connery on there. Dan, you are digressing from the breakdown. Point is, I got Louis Smoke by submission. All right, next fight. Ping Yuang Lu. Uh, versus, uh, he comes in the favorite minus, minus 230 versus Martin Day plus 190. Man, the odds are off here. I came in leaning toward Martin Day and uh, watched a decent amount of footage on this one, I will say. And I actually ended up agreeing with the favorite, but I, I, won't be, I would not be comfortable laying a minus 230. I feel like this is a very, I think this is, you know, this, this is a high, high possibility at the fight of the night here. Uh, you don't know if, if you're anyone that plays that. I don't know what the odds are going to be for that. But uh, it's on my avoid list, man. I don't blame anybody picking Day, the Hawaiian, and taking a shot on him. Uh, you know, if if, if he can uh, defend the takedown better or if uh, Ping Yuan Lu uh, gets dissuaded from a takedown and gets sucked into his kind of fight, uh, not only do I see him, you know, the better striker, with more possibility, you know, uh, for a knockout, which, by the way, Ping Wan Lu's only been stopped once. That was in the very beginning of his career, very first fight. And, you know, TKO punches could be he was held down in position because he didn't know no better. And that was like eight years ago. So I'm not putting too much weight into that. Uh, he looks like a really tough guy with a good chin. He's the, even though he's not the taller fighter, he's the more stockier fighter. He's been, he, though he did fight at uh, bantamweight as well, um, at, or flyweight as well as day. He's been fighting at bantamweight since, I think, 2016 or 2013. Either way, uh, he, he he's filled out. He's athletic. He, he he's strong. Um, I think that's going to be the difference here. You know, uh, trainer was uh, you know training partner was Song Yadong, and uh, you know if you're Yadong's right hand guy, you're getting some work, right? <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm not going to play that too much. By the way, speaking of uh, penis references, uh, how about that brown penis? Uh, uh, knockout over in one way, the the uh, daily debate. We celebrated that a bit too much. Go watch that daily debate video over at MMA Junkie and see if you can spot me and Goes just trying to keep a fucking straight face throughout that whole debate. It was ridiculous. And fucking George is uh, on the phone for that episode from California, so his face isn't showing, so he can sit there and just lob in your windows and watch us be forced to keep a straight face as we're on the recording. It's great. If you appreciate little shit like that. Uh, but yeah, um, Pyong Wan Lu training with Song Yadong and up there, Team Alpha Male. And uh, even though, uh, even though I think uh, you know his takedown defense, and though not terrible, I think Stasiak showed a path to beat Pyong Wan Lu. Uh, fortunately for him, Martin Day is not a wrestler, uh, who I think are going to be the troubling matchup for Pyong Wan Lu going forward. Uh, so I don't think he's going to have to worry about it here. Instead, he can probably explore his game more. And from the little footage I have seen. 
he looks competent when he's in the when he's in positive positions. Like he knows how to play positionally. I had to imagine that's that and the scrambling has only gotten better as you're gonna see a lot of that at Team Alpha Male. So uh that pushed me over the edge to to pick Ping Wan Lu, but uh I don't blame anybody taking a shot on Martin Day. My heart's gonna be with the Hawaiian for that one, but that's on the avoid. Also on the avoid is Kevin Holland, minus 510, John Phillips, plus 405. Uh, I'm sure many of us, myself included, got speeding picking Phillips in the last fight against Bird. Um, albeit it was probably on my avoid list then. It's just, I just don't trust Phillips at all. Uh, you know, he can hit hard. The uh, was the white Mike Tyson. But you know, the ground game is going to leave him exposed. Kevin Hall and Brown Belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, and he will take it, the fight down, you know, uh, if he needs to, you know. Like, I'm worried about him being cocky here. But I see this kind of going like the, uh, what's that guy, Santos? Was it, was it Bruno Santos he fought on the Contender Series? Or no, not, not Bruno Santos. There's a guy that looked like Bruno Santos. Uh, it's a Jackson Wink dude, short, stocky guy. But I see him just kind of, uh, you know, doing his cocky thing, Kevin, Kevin Holland. And then when he gets tagged, like in that fight, he'll, he'll change level and go for a takedown. Um, and, uh, he, you know, even though I don't re recommend it and I still see some prospect losses, uh, if you will, or him paying for his ways in the future, potentially Kevin Holland, uh, he has proof he could take a shot and I don't see that loss necessarily coming here. So the pick is Kevin Holland to get it done. Um, I think he's going to play a bit and, and we're going to, we're going to see them find their way on the ground. I think he's going to get the submission here. But this one could go over and it could be like uh, an ugly heavyweight slot fest. You know what I'm saying? could be one of those fights too. So I ain't touching over-unders. The line's too inflated. That's why it ends up on my avoid list. All right. Next fight. And as well, on, this is all on fight best. That's right. Uh, Yan Jiaonan, minus 450, the favorite. Suri Kondo, plus 360. is old Chinese-Japanese. Uh, I was telling you about. Y'all think I'm lying. I remember being at the airport uh, doing an inter an inter airport travel. I was in China and like there's these two Japanese gentlemen and they were speaking Japanese very sparingly and kind of seeing who was around and just you know the stigma was just still there. I mean it's not something you just want to advertise. You know I don't know it's weird. It's funny. So that's how hard a Chinese is a language. I was at the airport and I was trying to find the bathroom. And uh bathroom is Chi Sol, I believe. But Chi Sao is sticky hands. And we would we actually have a drill in Kung Fu, Kenpo Karate was was uh Chi So and we it was sticky hands and especially just hand trapping and hand fighting where you have to keep one or two hands depending. And just kind of working that, you work into a grapple or strike from it, and you just have to get to keep it that distance, and really just feeling your opponent. You could do it blindfolded and be all woo woo about it, and just really, really whack each other, which is eh, at your own risk. But I remember going instead of going cheese, so I was like cheese ow, and he's like huh, and he looked at me we like cheese ow, and he's like oh. The security guy is like, oh, he like, uh, they kept looking at my hands, so I was saying sticky hands. So thankfully, he showed me where the bathroom was, so I could wash my sticky hands. So it ended up working for me in that way. But man, you got to be real cr uh, careful with the Chinese language. Like, for example, Mei Mei, little sister, Mei Mei, it's a pretty girl. Don't want to confuse those two. 
Really don't want to confuse those two. All right, Mandarin lesson over. Yan Jiannan, um, yeah, she got inflated to shit. I'm sure she was open pretty high, but not bet that high. I mean, she, or not open that high. She probably got bet that high. I don't know. I'm, you know, maybe I'm bad at where lines open. I just try to give you up to the date toward the end of the week. Um, after me and y'all, analysis is done. Um, yeah, uh, Siri Kondo, you know, I, she can muddy, she can muddy things uh, kind of at range and, 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 and score points with volume, but that's not going to be available to her with this matchup with Zhao Nan. She just does it better. She moves better. She throws harder, faster, and more numbers more consistently. Uh, where I see Siri Kondo trying to muddy this up is the clinch. The problem is I don't think she's going to have, you know, uh, the, at least from what I've seen, the mechanical leverage or the explosiveness or the athleticism to take advantage of anything on the ground or, or, or get it there, dictate that. Um, Yan Zhao Nan looks strong there in the clinch. I got to imagine it's only getting better. I apologize. I didn't uh, keep track of where she's training, but I... I'd imagine she's keeping up the uh, American integration like a lot of these Chinese athletes are. I mean, uh, I've talked about it before, um, just like they were fueling uh, developmental programs in South America and Mexico. They've been doing that with China, and, and I believe I think that UFC PI is, is proof of what I and many have been saying. Um, so, yeah, I got her here. The one number that kind of jumped out at me was the under. Under two and a half plus three fifteen. I mean, if you're up for this fight and you even give a shit about this fight, um, I guess you know. And you're looking for an angle, unless you're just trying to be a madman trying to parlay that shit. Like I don't know. Part of me thinks uh, after you know, I don't want to write someone off just because it was one body kick by a juicy girl in uh, Botelio, you know, nailing Condo in the liver side, but. I can't help but Zhao Nan watch that fight, and I can't help but think about Zhao Nan's uh, lead leg, which from Wushu Sanda she would use for those like really quick round kicks and side kicks. But as you notice, as she's gotten more MMA-centric and training in America, she's like throwing more tie kicks from there, especially to the legs and occasionally the body. I got to imagine she makes that adjustment and goes heavy to the body. And uh if she's able to not get stymied in the clinch, then I, I think she might just run over Siri Kondo, to be honest. So we'll see. I'm not saying to go run out and play it, but that's just an angle. Like if you're just looking to play a couple, couple ducats, a couple ducats of degenerate favor, then uh, why not? Anyways, that's all I'll say for that. Um, all right, next fight. Wheelie Zhang. Way lazy. Minus 500 versus Jessica Aguilar. Juicy Jess, plus 400 to come back on her. Um, you know, uh, Aguilar uh, proved she could still win fights in her last fight. Uh, I, I faded her on that one, I'll be honest. It just uh, it was a, it was a very uh, low and playable line. Um, so it was something I remember that I, I, I did take a shot on the, the old Escabel, but... Uh, I don't know. I I don't I don't think uh, I don't think I don't think she's gonna be able to do that here. Very similar to the condo John Nan. It's just you've got a much more athletic girl and Willie Zhang. She's just like she looks like mean too, right? I mean, she looks like the like female um, <laughs> the female antagonist, you know, in a, in a kung fu the older kung fu movies. You know, just really mean looking, right? Uh, and I just see her marching down. I mean. Uh, 
again, I, I think once when, when certain fighters get things t- taken away from them, we can, you see them some of them fold. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to be Jessica Aguilar, but I, I think that'll be a real, real con- crucial connecting piece if she's not the one pressuring. Furthermore, her level-changing takedowns, again, uh, the mechanical, explosive, athleticism, whatever descriptor you want to use, I don't see it being enough. Um, Willie Zhang looks like she's strong in the clinch, so she can get takedowns of her own and end up on top position if she wants to. Got to imagine she's going to be saving her energy for playing defense, though, because uh, I think Jessica Aguilar is going to be looking to level change a lot. Depends on how Willie Zhang deals with that and how she wins if or and how she wins the fight. But I do have her winning. Uh, no angle I'm confident in here. But, you know, 35 or 36 years old, Jessica Aguilar, what she's been through miles and fight and whatever else she's put her body through, um, I, I see that that train uh, coming to an end. Uh, I hate to be she's so positive uh, in her post-fights. I'm not trying to be a hater here, but, you know, just it's what it is. All right, sip some coffee, and looks like we've got shit two or three more to go before we even get to the main card. I think I might just uh, maybe I'll just push through here, do the whole thing. We'll see. All right, next fight: Rashad Coulter, Daywalker, minus fifteen, slight favorite. Uh, Yao Zong Hugh, or as I like to say, this is the last uh, episode, if you remember, huge Yao Zong, huge Zong, huge Zong, minus 105. Uh, this one's on the avoid list, man. Um, I got Coulter here. I think he's the more uh, athletic fighter, uh, more stiffer competition, albeit losing to that competition. Um, whereas, you know, huge Yao Zong just... He seems a bit sluggish even on the pads. And uh, even just watching him work pads, I should say, not just in the fights, even watching him work pads, like on his Instagram account. I just say I didn't like what I saw. You know, good for him. He's out there trading at Jackson's, the, uh, the old puppy mail, as Cowboy would say. Not hating on Jackson's, just, you know, what it is. Ponies, ponies are there all day. So he's going to have, he's going to have that, uh, that uh, Mike Winkle John imprint on him, but I don't see him being athletic enough to be effective with it. All right. Uh, yeah, that's on the avoid list. All right. Lauren Mueller. 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 Lauren Mueller. Minus 450. Four ten, I should say. Sorry, and Yunnan Wu plus three thirty. Um, Yunnan Wu, you know, it, she can make the skills jump. I mean, again, not recapping the last card, but as we saw in Argentina, saw some fighters make a skill jump from the tape, right? I think Shapoli was one of them. We're like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Or just you know, guys that you knew were talented on tape, but on paper it just didn't make sense winning. You know, uh, we got a reminder there as well with the Heinish over. Fajeda. Um So I almost feel so hesitant to write these fighters off what you see on tape. But not just the tape outside of the UFC, what we saw within the UFC from Yunnan Wu. I mean, you know, uh, 
And now Dan Tom also he's not going to stop using the R word. And then he uses the R word. But she's got that retard strength. I'm sorry. Legion Lang's coming up. There's no way I was going to avoid it, folks. You might as well just be eased into it now. Um, yeah, she's, aside from that, the problem is Mueller, Mueller, Mueller doesn't have the uh, R word strength. But she's just a fucking savage, man. Uh, I saw her Dana White Contender Series. And she's just a fucking push-through savage uh, pressure fighter. Um, so I, I see her doing just that. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot harder, um, a lot harder than, uh, Yunnan Wu's, uh, last outing. And even in that, we saw, uh, the pressure, you know, uh, surmount. I mean, you, you know, she fought her ass off, but I mean, uh, Mazani's a strong girl and, uh, Mueller, I just think there's more of a, consistent ferocity that she's going to be dealing with with Mizani. Um so I don't, I don't I don't see that going well for her. Uh, yeah, I like that girl a lot unless she got sick traveling. Um if you were to get that in an earlier line then good on you. All right. Next fight. Kenan Song minus 125, Alex Morona plus 105. This one kind of jumped out at me. I, I was looking at Alex Morona to play him and leaning toward him early. Perhaps it was the surprising line, of course. But once I dived into it, I ended up siding with Kenan Song, but 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 not confident. I'd say that line's just about right. Again, uh, Kenan Song, another guy, a hard guy to to look at. I mean, losses early in his career, one up at middleweight when he wasn't supposed to be fighting there against, you know, some guy named Israel Adesanya. No shame there. That was his TKO loss. Uh, but Alex Morono, you know, a guy I like maybe because he, he cashed early as just a, a dog flyer uh, for his pace. Uh, I just thought his outpace would, out, out, you know, outwork. Uh, was, it, was it? Fuck, was it? No, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Say it wrong. Yeah, it was no. Sorry. Yeah, it was a split. Um, granted. Oh. But yeah, um, the problem is, you know, he hasn't he hasn't you know looked great then since obviously you know uh, the pressure game worked on James Muntasri, but James Muntasri that win didn't age well. What happened to him? Nico Price he gets knocked out, uh, loses to Keita Nakamura, uh, which isn't bad. Uh, I, I pick Keita in in that. Um, Josh Berkman, but that was like the ghost of Josh Berkman, and then loses to Jordan Mean and just gets wrestled. And it's a very uninspiring fight where he like looks like he gassed out. You know, I was listening to an interview with uh, James Lynch. Shout out to James Lynch. By the way, it's funny. Like, the one interview I think I didn't listen to of James Lynch's yesterday, I got like not called out. It was a friendly thing. Shout out to you, wherever you were on Twitter. Nice person and all. But uh, it was just funny. Like one of the little things where I was like, oh yeah, as in on short notice. I think it was about Heinish. Someone's like, oh yeah, didn't she listen to that James Lynch? interview this guy was already training for a fight i'm like shit the one i miss but shout out to james uh, i was listening to an interview with alex moreno on there and just you know he's a sharp kid explaining you know uh he had a really good kind of grasp on it you know i was really honest about his assessment i can appreciate that i just wasn't sure what kind of adjustments he was gonna make you know on his instagram looks like he's doing the same thing still kind of you know grinding post fight and then just kind of showing up with the baby fat training at home and it just seems like he's not going to go past that, um, whether it's physical, how he looks, the weight class he performs, and more importantly, just the way he performs. He just hasn't quite gotten over that plateau, and I was looking to see if he was training anywhere else. And I guess he kind of is. I couldn't tell initially. Thankfully, again, 
The reason why I'm shouting out James Lynch. Thankfully, I listened to that interview, and he's training at Fortis MMA, and, and they're doing, um, you know, uh, awesome things down there. Obviously, got a lot of guys uh, who just fought at UFC 228, and now I'm, I'm having recalling trouble recalling any of them. Uh, Coulter obviously was on the same card, but guys more the size of uh, Morono. Uh, welterweights and middleweights, uh, Jeff Neal and uh, whatnot, other dudes there. Anyways, um, yeah, so he's getting good sparring, but he's just so damn wild. And, and you know, even when he says he's trying to correct the punches, he still is swinging, looping in a wild. And against Ken on Song, this guy looks like he can counter, collapse space, crash distance, and come forward. Um, keeping that right hand cocked. Uh, it looks like he likes to prod a distance with kicks. You know, if Morono can avoid getting knocked out, uh, maybe I could see like a scenario where he outvolumes him. But I don't know if his wrestling is going to be good enough to get Kanan Song down. Kanan Song, or Song Kanan, you know, has not gotten a lot of, uh, or solid sample size, uh, as, you know, as... Uh, that I remember watching the first time around. I didn't go back and watch all his stuff immediately this time around. But if you just look at his, his record with the way the fights ended, how long the fights went and who they were against, um, you got to question how useful even that footage is, uh, whatever there is of him grappling. So it, it's tough to say. Uh, he looked good in the scramble. He looked like he had much more urgency than Alex Moreno did in the get-ups. So he's being well-schooled. Uh, so I picked him here. I don't blame anybody for taking a shot on Morono. I just can't trust either guy. I was even looking at the over-unders. And, and you know, I, I, I could see someone getting a finish. But I could also see, you know, because both guys really need to win this. Say what you will about Alex Morono, and you could be picking Song Kanan like I am. But this is this is his toughest test. He hasn't really fought tough guys. I mean, Bobby Nashty Nass, those... Doesn't really age well of a win, you know. Uh, same goes for Li Jing Lang, who we'll get to next on the main card. But, but yeah, so I went with uh, Song Kanan, but th this one is... Um, yeah, this one's on my avoid list, so for that reason. All right, uh, next, as I just said, Li Jing Lang, minus 185 versus uh, David Zawada, plus 160. Li Jing Lang is really similar to Li Jing Li, which is uh, Jet Li's name. I just or I believe that's how you pronounce it. I just posted the damn thing how it's pronounced on my on my Twitter. I, I cracked in my old uh, Kung Fu VHSs and I found Top Fighter, which isn't really a movie. It's just like a documentary and a bunch of uh, martial arts Kung Fu movie stars. You know, Jim Kelly, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Yun Biao, Sammo Hung. Gordon Liu, and some other really old-school names for those uh, in the minutiae there. Um, and uh, it was really cool. They just had, like, old-school wushu footage of Jet Li, like, just hitting rhythm balls and uh, working the spear and uh, doing some uh, iron fist training. Just doing some cool shit, uh, if you want to check that out on my Twitter. Anyways, uh David Zawada, yep, come back on him's plus 160. This this is a dangerous fight, uh, and it still is a dangerous fight, uh, even though I'm going to pick Lee. I could see it getting spoiled, though. I mean, Zawada made made a bit of a skills jump. He still shows, like, early in his career, uh, Zawada still shows trouble if you can put him on his back, and that'll be trouble for him here because 
Um, Li Jing Lang, you know, again, I, sorry, he's got that retard strength, man. That ground and pound is unreal. Uh, he knows how to, he, he's strong in the scramble for damn sure. And uh, he made it back out to Extreme Couture for this one. So I got to only admit he's getting better. Uh, on the feet, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, Zawada likes to pressure, and I think he's going to be the one pressuring because Li Jing Lang showed in his last fight that he learned from uh, that fight against Jake Matthews. I mean, that was just like a, a metamorphosis for Jake Matthews, I and mean, he looked like a complete different fighter physically, mentally, and skill-wise. So, for one, that makes it a, a little more of a respectable loss, and two, you know, Jing Lang just went in wild and admitted that. He was just looking for the knockout, and uh, it was not good, and he paid for it. But um, comes back, adjusted against Daishi Abe, shows he could fight at distance, uh, shows he could be more patient, and uh, really crafting that leg kick. I mean, we know he could throw it inside, outside, and throw it hard, but he was doing really cool things where he was doing those, like, almost debasing uh, inside leg kicks. You'll see them do, like, a Jim Miller does it really well uh, from the southpaw stance with the debasing inside leg kick just to off-balance them and immediately connect hooks and go to work. Uh, Jing Liang was doing that. Even sometimes just as a check, he was kicking and then uh, throwing a same side check, almost to block, cover, and fire back uh, in the way of, uh, you know, for, for any kind of counter right hands or counters to the leg kick. A like little crafty shit that he's doing in there. It's not like he's just learning how to throw things hard and properly. Like, he's really getting the craft aspect behind it and really getting confident with his game. And I, I see those kicks being good against Zawada. Um... Zawada, he, he, he uh, you know, picks and chooses his spots a little too much unless he can get his guy, obviously, unless he gets his guy hurt or he gets his guy between inner black lines and, and the fence and he turns into a damn video game character and starts unloading to the body and head. Uh, real strong in the clinch, Zawada is, but again, um, I'm going to have to give a slight edge to, to Lee. They should be near the same size welterweights. Both are deceptively strong and sizable welterweights so i don't see a huge surprise or advantage going too much the other way but the pick is lee there all right next fight song yadong uh minus 460 vince morales plus 365 um you know i get the spread of this line song yadong's a very uh very talented prospect very super athletic a punch going forward backwards Strong inside the clinch, serviceable takedown game. Excellent on top. I mean, you could go down with a guy like Felipe Arantes with confidence. Guy Felipe Arantes, not a guard to be slept on, but he was keeping excellent head position, hands inside the biceps. When someone tried to go over, collapse his grip, or get inside position, he comes over the top with elbows. Dude is ruthless. He does something else I like to do where not only does he keep square with the hips, so, again, guys with, like, Felipe Arantes, you get dangerous arm bars, like... There's this check mechanism that I like to do, and something that uh, actually Michael Chandler, I believe, gave me this tip. And I, almost like a check, I almost want when I'm on top of somebody inside their guard, I'm always keeping slight tension and a slight pinch with my in the center of the inside of my thighs. I want that touching on their top of their thighs to where it almost meets their ass, right? I'm, I'm, I'm clinching in there. That makes sure I'm right on line, I'm balanced with them. And if you're doing that, chances are you are on your toes. Depending on what degree, you can still be on your toes and on your knees, or you can be on very active toes where your knees are slightly elevated and you have this pinch, and that makes for great ground and pound too. Uh, it helps keep that static position, assuming your head's in the proper position. 
you know, a George St. Pierre keeps keeps his head looking at his opponent if head pressure uh, not driven into them totally. Uh, and and Yadong is just hitting all these fucking check marks fundamentally, man. Uh, really good shit. Uh, I see that's going to be his path here because Morales, man, Morales can punch going forward, going backward. Um, and he's got power for this weight class too. Um, you know, he's got power as well. Lanky, deceptive. And what's deceptive about him is even though he, he lost to Dana White Tuesday Contenders, you know, Holly Holmstyle, what a savage, didn't even tap. Uh, but it was, a, it was ironic that it was a comeback loss to Pilarte. It was an awesome comeback. I, I, I graded Pilarte high, and I also graded uh, Morales high for bringing it. But it was ironic because you watch Morales' regional fights. He is usually the guy coming back. Like, there are multiple fights where he gets his ass kicked for two rounds and comes back and, like, knocks the dude out. It's insane. So he he's he, he's probably liver than that plus 365 is. He's definitely liver than what the public narrative will be giving this kid a chance for. Um, you know, I, I listened to some interviews with him. Uh, sound, sounds pretty sharp and, and pretty well trained overall. You know, I just think that I don't think he's going to get the top position that he needs and he works well from. And on bottom, I don't think his, his guard and, and his bottom game is going to have much play. If anything, it might get him in, in, in bad spots, kind of like it did against Polarte. Um, if he does that against a guy like Yadong. Um, all right. Look at that. I didn't even do any dick references. All right. Next fight. Here's <laughs> my coffee. Sergey Pavlovich, fight nights, the FNG lightweight, he, heavyweight champion, sorry, lightweight champion, minus 130 favorite, Alistair Overeem, you know who the Reem is, come back on him as plus 110. Um, leaning, lean toward Pavlovich and uh, early, still agree that he's the favorite, ended up picking Overeem, uh, no, has nothing to do with... Uh, with the junkie picks, that was just—it's just one of those things. Like when I was going back to watch Sergey Pavlovich's fights, I think I went back to watch his last five fights, and that was against his most relevant competition. That's where he starts going to decision more. He starts having tougher fights. I admittedly did not watch the early fights, but like as many, like is with many records, most of his finish come against guys with shit records on paper who didn't really fight much of anybody. Um, Guys who give him tough time were like out of shape, tubby dudes with like two weight classes below him. So I don't know how. And but but the reason why, if you look at those guys' records, uh, Abgaev or Abayev, like they were experienced. Well, Overeem's experienced as well. Problem with Overeem, obviously, is his chin. That's what makes him. You know, there's such a thing as a live dog, a culpable favorite. Uh, yeah, that's what makes him a. Culpable favorite, culpable to collapse at any time. So it's not a confident pick. Um, so I suggest you avoid it, although I'd put a degenerate uh, flyer on Overeem just because he's one of the few dogs that I picked. And essentially, I didn't see Pavlovich uh, fight any guys who could kick or much, very many tall guys. Uh, even when he fought guys who were the more credentialed kickboxers and of decent stature, um, he wasn't wrestling as much as he should because he's got he's got Pavlovich has a wrestling background, particularly in Greco Roman, like offensive and defensive, like some really impressive reversals. But whether they were reversals, whether they were offensive takedowns, he had that like uh, Wushu Sanda, Russian Wushu Sanda, I should say, style, like uh, Abdurahimov style, where they take you down, but they don't know what the fuck to do and they just get back up and let you up. It's the most perplexing shit. 
But uh, Pavlovich doesn't. I, I, from what I could tell, you know, to, on paper doesn't come from that background, but stylistically, I should say, is very similar to that, and that troubles me because I know Alistair's got a good guillotine, but he, you know, uh, other than Stipe, uh, he hasn't caught anybody with it. <laughs> wink, wink. He hasn't caught anybody with it for a minute. So if you have good guillotine defense, then fucking take him down, right? Like, why mess around? Uh, so that could be a problem. Secondly, even though Pavlovich is strong in the clinch, and that's where he comes from with the... It's not going to be a resting spot for him. You know what I'm saying? If He's, he's got to shit or get off the pot. Uh, he's really got to commit, uh, which is another reason why it worries me. Because, again, Overeem, uh, next to Josh Barnett, I have them both as the best heavyweight clinch fighters of all time, in my humble opinion. Um, and Overeem's still very dangerous from there. So he's not going to want to be there. And I could definitely see Overeem just fucking BSing him, bullshitting him, outcrafting him, out-savvying him at range, uh, picking his shots, countering, just landing a few to get in his head and just, you know, being the evasive iteration that we've come to know as of late in the later chapters of his career, Overeem. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and, and of course, Overeem, underrated takedowns himself. And let's not forget, Overeem... He's trading with Curtis Blades, who we'll get to in a second, but great guy to train with, not just because it's Curtis Blades, but for their opponents in particular. Uh, he works good as an Nganu. Striker, switch stance, strong in the clinch. Uh, more ground game than Nganu can offer. But to this matchup, we'll stay focused. We'll get to that one in a second. For this matchup, it's great because, you know, Pavlovich, orthodox uh, wrestle puncher. He's got Josh Copeland as his, his second training partner over there at... Uh, Elevation and PFL heavyweight finals. Josh Copeland fits that bill perfectly. And then you've got Curtis Blades, a super ridiculous version, much more diverse, much more explosive than Pavlovich. So, I mean, he's got two levels of training partner and two styles that are within the appropriate frame of styles he needs to get uh, acclimated for. Elevation, uh, training at the elevation, um, going to China, where he's, you know, Overeem is a world traveler, and he's a veteran. I don't know. I think he's going to deal with travel better than most guys. He's not cutting weight or anything. Um, Looks good physically. It's just, it, again, it comes down to that chin. And, yeah, Pavlovich could easily just end this first, second, maybe third, off the counter, coming forward. Again, it's not super confident. Pavlovich certainly has a path. But from what I've seen against who I've seen it against, the evidence almost compels Forces me to pick over him. So, yeah, the pick's over him here. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, though. Good luck. Anybody p putting anything significant on that madness? I suggest you don't. All right. Main event time. We just teased it. Curtis Blades, minus 240. Come back on Francis Ngannou, plus 200. Um, again, I, amongst many others, because the odds had Curtis Blades favored, no surprise, I picked Curtis Blades when these when, the, these, first guys, when, when these guys first uh, met. Uh you know, and it came down to the wrestling. I was watching his NCAA or NJCAA uh, junior college footage, and he's just aggressive as hell wrestler, and he's 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 found that. You know, he got stifled in that Omi Alanchuk fight. I think that was a very typical kind of prospect fight. Made some questionable decisions in that kind of middle to early stretch. Curtis Blades did, but man, he, we've really seen him just showing positive trends. I would argue since you know moving to the elevation fight team. Uh, Changing his life, moving down there, looking, you know, physically looking better each time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I picked Mark Hunt to beat him because I thought what happened in the first round was going to happen. Just he somehow survived it because he has a stupid, ridiculous chin. 
And uh, then he even ate uh, over him shots, you know, easily walked through him, pressured him, got him to the fence, got him down, did what he had to do. Uh, so I imagine him doing that here. Uh, Overeem has way more to offer in those phases than Ninganu does. Um, and Ninganu, man, it's tough. I don't want to write him off. I see people picking Ninganu. I don't blame him. It's a heavyweight fight. Uh, Ninganu's got crazy power. Even though Blades has their most ridiculous chin so far, I've seen it at heavyweight as far as active guys where their current state of their chins are. I would really put Blades up there as, as the best. Um, you can never be certain. And... Uh, but it's uh, the strength of schedule, you know. I don't know what, what what's going on. I don't want to come with the matchmakers because they seem like nice dudes, at least interactions uh, that I'm aware of. But, you know, it's – I think it's what they're given. They have no choice but to put these matches on sometimes. But even some of this main event, i got to imagine there's some leeway here. I don't I don't fucking know. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's a potential career-changing uh, loss to Stephen Miocic. Then you give him Derek, dangerous guy like Derek Lewis – Arguably ends up being worse the fact that it's a boring fight and uh, and yeah I don't know I don't know it's it, it, then we don't hear much from Ninganu he's training back in Paris um, I don't see him working with wrestlers I don't see any big changes being made it looks like he's doing a returning to his roots sort of thing I I have no fucking clue I have no fucking clue how you could be confident betting Ganu. I could see how you could be more confident betting Blades but it's a heavyweight fight at the end of the day um if I parlay anything I may do a fun parlay where I string a bunch of shit together and I may do just fight doesn't go the distance uh, because I see Blades getting it done in the third round uh I see him being more capable with his cardio his wrestling offensively uh, for this occasion, I think it'll be better than uh, Stipe's and aggressively. Uh, he's much more aggressive pursuer of the finish than at least Stipe was in that fight. And with a skills jump, that could very well possibly happen in the last six months or so. I mean, we could see him start going to town with the toolbox if he gets Ninganu down and in position. Uh, but, you know, Blades... Still, you know, he's still going to have to watch out for the counter. He's gotten better moving his head offline. You know, he's rolling his head under his crosses now. His footwork's better. But, but yeah, man. The old Ninganu. Let's sip here. Uh, they don't have odds uh, over his unders for Mueller Wu or uh, for this fight. Hmm. Gotta imagine there's gonna be action coming in heavy. Maybe they're trying to adjust that. I'm going off times, by the way. But yeah, um, fantasy, and then I'm gonna recap picks, plays, and recap your purchases, and we'll get out of here. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, again, you know, I'm not the best. There's much better people uh, there out there than me. But I usually, uh, like most people, I have less dog picks than than favorites. And uh, you go broke just stacking up favorites and put yourself in weird spots if you just go blindly favorite heavy to start making your team. So I generally like to start um, with who my underdogs are and going from there. Um, obviously, heavyweight fights, whether you pick the underdog or not, they're more active. They're more live by nature of being a heavyweight uh, of coming through. And if they are to win, especially as an underdog, they have more propensity for the finish. Again, being a heavyweight, so that doesn't hurt to look there. And since I'm officially picking a heavyweight in Overeem, 
I gotta imagine people are fading the chin, so they're gonna want the knockout win on their side. I'm willing to play contrarians. I don't have a lot of underdogs who I'm, I'm real confident in. Uh, not that I'm confident in Overeem, but the most confident as in that I picked them, right? Or confident enough, I should say, as in that I picked them. So uh, I don't know what Overeem's listed at, but I would look at him for an underdog. Um, you know, if you want to be contrarian, I could see Zawada. Not not many people going with Zawada. And if you think that uh, Li Jiang Li's chin is due to be taxed because he's always getting rocked and dropped, uh, I could see a super contrarian play there. If that came through, you'd be looking looking good toward the end. Um, Morono is a live dog, but I don't, you know, unless he submits him, I don't know if he's going to get a stoppage there. Uh, and I don't know if it's worth taking the shot, even if he's able to outpoint him in the decision. I don't know if that'll be enough points to be worth your, worth your bang. Um, Rashad Coulter, if you like him there, because even though the line has tightened, I don't think they opened that wide. So I got to imagine they're not going to be too far in price. Uh, unless you like Huge Zong, then yeah, take Huge Zong if that's your thing. <laughs> Get that drop. Um, you know, Phillips, but Holland knows how to move with, with shots and sh shows that he can take them. Uh, again, I think Martin Day is pretty live, but Pyong... Pinyuan Lu looks like he's got a chin, and I doubt that Martin Day is going to submit him. So, um, Sumadiraji, uh, if you want to fade Luis Smolka, you know, that's there for a knockout. But uh, I think Luis Smolka gets a submission there. I'm actually going to take Smolka because he probably has to take him down too. Uh, there's going to be some scrambles, and uh, Smolka could be a deceptively high scorer. So, I would go with Smolka as a favorite for sure. Uh, I would attack that heavyweight dog with Overeem. Um, Blades has got to get takedown, so he's gonna be he's gonna be worth worth the money there. I would secure him as a favorite, and then work down the list from there. Again, like uh, Yan Zhao Nan's gonna be popular and expensive, so I don't know about that. Even though I actually deceptively feel like she could get a finish. Uh, Whereas Zhang and Mueller, I think, are going to be decisions. Though Mueller, I can see you're getting a bunch of takedowns in her out. So she could actually be a deceptive scorer, actually. A lot of people might be on Xiao Nan, uh, at least hardcores, and just people looking to bet China Chalk. Whereas Mueller, it's an American facing Chinese. She's not that popular. And she might have a decent asking price with the line, so people could be staying away. So if you want to attack any of these ladies' lines, I don't know if any of the dogs are worth it, but Lauren Mueller, depending, I could see her just pressure striking, getting takedowns against the fence over and over again. And that could rack up in the end. Um, I'd stay away from the big chalk on Kevin Holland in fantasy. And uh, Song Yudong, Vince Morales, I mean, that's going to be action. I think Yudong's going to get a takedown, but again, I think Yudong's probably going to be, I'm guessing, top two or top three price tags. And I'd rather go with, you know, a Blades and, uh, you know, Blades, Smolka, or, you know, a Mueller. Yeah, anyways. All right, I'm going to recap... Uh, Recap picks here. I got uh, Louis Smoka be beating Sumadirji. Um, I got Ping Yuang Lu beating Martin Day. Kevin Holland beating John Phillips. I got Ian Jiao Nan beating Siri Kondo. 
I got Wee Lezeong beating Jessica Aguilar. I got Rashad Coulter beating Huge Zong. Yu uh, Zong Yu, Huge Zong. I got Lauren Mueller beating Yanan Wu. I've got Song Kanon beating Alex Morono. Got Lee Jingliang beating David Zawada. Song Yadong beating Vince Morales. Alistair Overeem beating Sergey Blevlovich. And Curtis Razorblades beating Francis the Hogmaster Ninganu. Uh, shout out to Wesley Coburn from the MMA Analysis, by the way. Speaking of the Hog Master, Master of the Hog Analysis. All right, and uh, avoid Morono Song, Coulter Huge Zong, Day, Pyong Lu. Um, props worth looking at. Smoke a sub when it comes out. Um, Yadong Morales under minus 155, by the way. I actually uh, put some chalk on that. I just played that chalk. Uh, Phillips? Phillips Holland over plus 105. Um, I was thinking about maybe if I do anything on that fucking hot mess. I just have a feeling it's going to be ugly. Uh, and then uh, sprinkled on the ream. Uh, just a quarter unit flyer plus 115. That's it. No parlay pieces. I'm going to be recommending. I might string together something fun, but I overwent on that in the breakdown. Uh, that's the pick recap. And uh, by the way, a reminder again for you guys listening. I'm sure you're listening in right now on Black Friday. If you're doing online ordering, you want to do something nice that doesn't cost you anything. Or, gosh for bish, you know, uh, not pay back because you don't owe me anything, but. Pay some respects to the podcast that tries to bring you the technical analysis from the crazy guy who talks in the third person, Dan Tom. Go to MixedMartialAnals.com if you're shopping at Amazon or on it. For example, people who shopped at Amazon, somebody bought the Bond collection on Blu-ray. Thank you for that. Uh, that was a pretty penny, and so was a little cheaper but still pretty penny. The Game of Thrones collection on Blu-ray. Multiple seasons there. Someone's trying to get a loved one caught up, I imagine. Thank you for buying that. Um, Corsair Dark Core Gaming Mouse. Good luck to you, gamer. Hopefully that mouse is a good one. I'm not familiar with mouses these days. I just buy the cheap shit at Target for me. Uh, Crockpot Stainless Steel. Uh, I guess the brand is called Crockpot itself. That's actually pretty damn reasonable. I got to get myself one. That actually is not a bad price. The cool thing about these click-throughs, guys, it doesn't give me any of your personal information. I don't know your names. Uh, it just gives me the item. But it allows me to click these items. So if I see that and I go, oh, that's really cool, I'll actually click through. And so some of you guys here give me some cool ideas. So thank you for that. Um, base. Oh, boss. Quiet comfort headphones. Those weren't cheap. Thank you. UFC 56 DVD. That's super random. I don't even know who the fuck headlined UFC 56. Thank you for buying it through the click-through. Um, what else? Sorry, I'm still writing left-handed even though I got my cast off. Yay. Um, whoa, what the fuck did I write there? Jesus. What the hell is that? I think it's a movie and I just can't remember what it was. I remember somebody bought another movie, so... Um, by the way, the, the uh, mess with theory uh, affiliate uh, program, at least from my end of it. So I'm having trouble uh, pulling up the, the normal itemized list. I don't think I got everything. So if I did it, 
please message me. Let me know. I will give your item a shout out. And if you want to add to the list, please go to mixmarshallanalyst.com. Oh, it was Woosh. Woosh Screen Cleaner. I use Screen Mom, but Woosh, that sounds fun. How does that work? Let me know whoever bought that. Uh, on it as well, there's also an on it click through. Any page, any landing page, toggle to the right, mixmarshallanalyst.com. Um, I bought a bunch of protein, and I'm not going to label you off that stuff as well as a t-shirt, but someone bought some Alpha Brain. I recommend. I'm actually good. I, I stocked up on that. Somebody bought their creatine. I definitely don't need creatine. That shit makes me bulky as fuck. Um, and Danton Marty bulks too goddamn easily. Someone also bought some shroom tech. Same person that bought the creatine? Are you just like, you know, feeling yourself just to go to the fucking war and bulk, bro? Either way, thank you for thinking of me in this podcast. And of course, iTunes, five star ratings and reviews. Uh, I didn't pull that up at a time, and I don't want to keep y'all any longer because we're already at the 108 mark i was trying to get this done in under an hour but that's pretty good for dan tom right i mean it was an eight minute intro 10 minutes of random china stories which again i will remind you in the show notes so you can skip that shit uh so it was really only about 50 minutes and some changes some breakdowns so again be safe on black friday hopefully you all had a good thanksgiving uh enjoy the china china fights i'm probably gonna be up like a savage with you guys hoping for some wong fei hong or drunken master uh you know, intros or, or shit like that. If any of you guys get these references or want a list of my kung fu movies, by the way, I, I will, I will I'll, I'll post some, uh, some 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 Beijing pictures of old Dan Tom. Uh, please, please uh, let me know. Uh, interact with the podcast. I, I love when you guys do that. I'll, I'll try to try to respond to you guys. You know, the, the, the proper ways there. So 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 yeah yeah. You kung fu heads out there, come, come out of the cracks. Enjoy the fight card. Talk to me. Enjoy. Uh, if you're a degenerate and want to play these fights, you are a real degenerate. Good luck to you. And always, protect your neck.